Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. For the past few weeks, Pastor Alan and Dan have been leading us through St. Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, the letter to the Ephesian church. And the focus has been on God's plan for the church in the world and how God has called, how God has established, and how God has empowered the church to be and become a hope-filled people in a world just filled and ravished with despair and disillusionment. And what we discover in our New Testament lesson this morning is no different. In fact, Paul says it louder clearer, and as fearless as he ever did, reminding the church that we are a new people who have been gathered from the nations to remind the world that we are, in fact, one people who have been brought into union with the one true God who not only makes hope possible, but is the hope in which we are saved and to which we are called. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, I, therefore, the prisoner for the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep and guard the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Paul begins this chapter in a similar way that he began chapter 3, describing himself as a prisoner for the Lord. He writes, I therefore the prisoner for the Lord beg this of you. And what is meant here is that Paul is both a prisoner of Christ, as well as a prisoner for Christ. Paul is bound to Jesus Christ by the chains of love and devotion, but he is also in custody out of loyalty to his his Lord and the good news of the gospel, that Christ is Lord. So by calling attention to the fact that he is a prisoner, Paul wants us to know something, and this is what he wants us to know. He wants us to know and experience the truth and the cost of following Jesus. To walk worthy of the calling with which we have been called. To walk in a way of humility and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to maintain and guard the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace is worth being in prison for. It is worth dying for both to self and unto ourselves. And the fact that he is writing from prison actually says something about his message, that it is radically countercultural and that it is radically dangerous. In a world where divisions and hostility and despair have become a part of everyday life, Paul's message of unity and the bond of peace and hope is radically unpopular and revolutionary. What Paul is saying to the church is that we are to be different. 
We are to be a people who live gently in a violent world, humble in a world filled with hubris and pride, and that our gentleness and our humility ought to foster in us a character of resolved patience and long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. John Chrysostom, a fourth and fifth century early church father, defined long-suffering as the spirit that has the power to take revenge, but never does. And it is characteristic of a forgiving and generous heart, even in the face of hurt and offense, persecution, imprisonment, yes, even death. For Paul, this message and the way of life it encourages is costly. And it is so because Christian discipleship is costly. That we are to remember that Jesus did not come to make us safe, but rather to make us disciples citizens of God's new age, a kingdom of surprise, that we are to walk worthy of the calling to which we have been called, where our whole lives are determined in such a way that worship of God is unavoidable. To be Christian is to live in this way. And Paul continues to say, walk, I beg you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. The focus here is not on our worth, but on the worth of our calling. How our place in God's favor should have purchase on our lives. In the earlier chapters of Ephesians, Paul lays out the new reality. That in Christ Jesus, we have access to every spiritual blessing. That in Christ Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. That in and through Christ Jesus, we have the forgiveness of sins. That in and through Christ Jesus, God has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasures. That in Christ Jesus, we have obtained an eternal inheritance and have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That in Christ Jesus, God has broken down the wall between Jew and Gentile and now offers through the blood of the new covenant union with God. And that God in Christ Jesus promises to spend an eternity increasing our joy in the immeasurable riches of his glorious grace. Sisters and brothers, This is the reality of our calling, union with God. Our living hope in a life that is made possible in and through and by God's self. We have received a divine calling into life with God for all to see. And the way to lead a life worthy of our calling, Paul says, is to maintain It is to keep and guard the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. What Paul is saying is that our primary call is to unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. But why does Paul say this? Why does Paul say that we ought to make every effort, that we are to endeavor to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace? 
Because the unity of the church is a reflection of who God is. The unity of the church is a reflection not only of who God is, but what God does. Because it is in and through Jesus Christ that we have been brought into union with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is himself one essence, one spirit, God in Trinity, and Trinity in unity, who is to be worshipped. And this is not just a statement of faith that you'll find in the Book of Common Prayer on page 679. No, it is a statement of action. Because in Jesus Christ, the church is one. And because she is one, she ought to be one in unity. Because the church has received her unity in Christ, we ought to seek to maintain and to guard this unity. And we do not create it. In fact, God never commands us to create unity among believers. For this has already been accomplished in and through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. To be faithful is to realize this reality. It is to maintain this reality of unity, to participate with God in God's mission in the world. As the church of the Spirit, we are the one people of the one kingdom called to lay the foundations of unity among humankind. So what does this mean? What does it mean to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It means that the unity of the church is experienced, first of all, in its gathering, this very fellowship. And though many of us are separated at this very moment from one another this morning, we are gathered together through one proclamation and calling. And after this sermon, we will make one confession of our one faith in which we will confess one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. And then we will participate as one body in the sacrament of Holy Eucharist, a common meal where grain and grapes scattered over the earth have been brought together and made into one bread and one cup for the nourishment of this one body, the church, the one bride of Christ. And as we confess our one faith and receive the sacrament, we do so in the one spirit of mutual acceptance Maintaining in the unity of the Spirit the bond of peace as we pass the peace. Like grain that was scattered and brought together into one bread, the church has been brought together from the ends of the earth into one kingdom of God to worship that one God. And as we gather and worship at this morning, at this moment, we do so as people from different social and, and cultural origins. We who are so different from one another have been made friends who forbear with one another in love, who not only not judge one another, but stand up for one another, especially the weak among us. What is happening right now is a sign of hope because what is happening right now is a sign of unity in a world ravished by disunity and division. Beloved, let us strive to maintain this unity in the bond of peace, but not only within our midst, but as we go from here this very day, 
Because unity in the spirit of God and the bond of peace is not merely a mark of who we are when we gather, but it is a mark of who we are to be as we go. To be a sign of our creed in a divided and estranged world so that this world may believe. As a unifying force, we the church are a messianic people. We are the people of Christ, which is to say that maintaining the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace is a central task of what it means to be church. We are called to represent the unity of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that makes all things new in a world filled with conflict. To be the sacrament of the kingdom of God here on earth, for our unity is not for ourselves. It is one for the peace of divided humanity in the coming kingdom of God. So let us strive to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Let us believe Let us hope and let us practice unity as we confess and share in the way of life that is the way of God. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called in one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy God, holy almighty, holy immortal one. Have mercy on your church. Be with us. It is in your holy name we pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.